0: This conference will now be recorded.
1: Today's topic is why you should consider black oats in your cover crop program. And uh, I always like to give a little bit of history with uh, where I'm coming from so you know. And I will also say that I certainly don't consider that I know everything about where black oats has originated from and all that. And also, uh, some of the aspects of managing it, but I have indeed been using it for quite a while now. I believe I was first introduced to black oats roughly 20 years ago, I'm going to say, and it was through um, a talk I heard by Wayne Reeves, who was uh, worked with, I believe, the NRCS at Auburn University. Maybe he was with Auburn Extension, I guess, I'm not sure right there, but he was Uh, talking about it, that he had seen it being used extensively in South America, particularly in Brazil. And so that is where I had heard about it first. And some of the reasons I remember him stating why it was a preferred cover crop was it seemed to really do really good about suppressing weeds, and it, it really had a good correlation of increasing the following crop yields. So, obviously, there's things that get your attention, and uh, through, a, I guess, a series of connections there that he had with some of the plant breeders in Brazil, there was a variety called Soil Saver Oats that was jointly released by Auburn University and the Institute of Agronomy of Piranha, Brazil, and that variety was the first one I got my hands on and was able to plant it, like I said, roughly 20 years ago. And I planted it for two years here on my farm in southeastern Pennsylvania. And at that point, I did not see a lot of advantages over some of the spring oats that we were growing, especially some of the forage oats that we were using as cover crop. So it didn't really catch my attention. And uh, I will say also that the black oats that the soil saver oats is the seeds are not really dark or black like you'll see some pictures of later on some other varieties they are looking similar to regular I'll just call the normal oats I've been familiar with more of a tan yellowish color they're a little bit more longer and more slender but they winter killed very similar to the spring oats that I was used to so uh, they weren't at that point they weren't touted to be winter hardy but for whatever reason uh, I didn't see the soil saver oats to be interesting enough for me to really actively use them on my farm here in southeastern Pennsylvania and I'm the growth zone 6b in case anyone is wondering that may help you adjust expectations and so forth and just so you know where what, what I'm talking about in that so that was my first experience to it and kind of I guess you would say it laid dormant for a while. Um, and then I had heard about another black oat that some people were talking about. And the uh, variety name is hard to pronounce. It's like, I, you know, how do you pronounce this variety? And I don't know if any of you saw a link to a, uh, a, a YouTube video I sent out about how to pronounce it. But according to Keith Burns, a member of our group here, green cover Seed, he says it's pronounced cossack Uh, i do know and i did know that it had european originations and uh, i had heard it was france so i thought well that does kind of look like a french word and i had been pronouncing it uh cossack that's how i pronounced it pronounced it but according to uh keith he says it's cossack so i guess i might defer to him on that and uh Understood. understood that it's named after a people group in the Ukraine, and this is where this variety originated from. So I used this variety, I believe it was four years ago that I tested it, and the seeds actually were very dark brown. You'll see pictures of that later on. So that's where they kind of get the name from, black oats. And what I was curious about the most was, do they indeed survive cold weather? And uh, I have spoken before about winter hardiness, and if you're curious, you can go back and look at some of those. Look at that webinar about that. But winter hardiness is determined by a couple factors, and most of you know this, but just for review, because it's important when we, when we talk about it here in in this context here, just so we make sure we're on the same page of what winter hardiness is. So uh, you can have what I call Typically is referred to winter hardiness as the ability for a given species to survive a low temperature. And that's typically the way we assign it. But we all know that snow cover can make a big, big difference. So you always have to know if it's under snow or not. So that's the first thing. The other thing is it's one thing to be zero degrees, we'll say, with no wind or zero degrees with a lot of wind. And I, I can, I'll just use that example there. So I think wind chill is another factor in determining winter hardiness of any spe- species. In a way, you could say they're kind of like humans, uh, where wind chill is definitely we feel colder. And it is colder when it actually is windy. So that's a factor here of, of this. And what I want to tell you with that background is, well, I guess there's one more thing I want to say with winter hardiness, also the ability to withstand freeze-thaw cycles. And I have a lot of freeze-thaw cycles in my zone 6 b here in southeastern Pennsylvania. And some things that are winter hardy in the Dakotas actually won't work in our area. And I've tried it. I know this from experience. I brought cover crops in from the Dakotas that have not worked in my area because of our amount of freeze-thaw cycles. You have a colder climate, tends to get cold, stay cold, and you don't have this elongation and collapse, if you will, of, uh, of the top part of the soil, which happens with multiple freeze thaw cycles where the, the soil pushes up because of the freezing and it contracts. And sometimes the roots are not elastic enough. Uh, this is something that's really known uh, quite uh, pertinently in alfalfa oh so anyway enough of that winter harness what i want to tell you is what impressed me about this black oats was that we survived uh three nights below zero degrees between zero and five below and i will say very little wind a bare ground so you need to know that that was this um the previous winter now i have planted some black oats this fall i got them planted a little later and i wanted to and we'll talk about planting dates later but we uh, had some temperatures down uh, zero and a little bit below zero a couple times again this fall with their snow cover, and they are appearing to su- they are appearing to survive. Time will tell here once things start warming up. So for me, I have been impressed at the winter hardiness of this variety here, and I'm going to just talk about this variety. There's a there's a couple other varieties out I've heard about, but the Cossack variety is clearly the most popular black oat variety now when we're talking about winter oats. So this is the variety I'm gonna focus on today. Uh, There's there's a lot of good information about soil saver oats, and, uh, but I'm gonna talk about the Cossack variety here so that we're just uh, clear kind of from the onset. So here's some of the advantages that I have found. Uh, The one is, it has a lot of tillering, and that gives us better ground cover earlier with younger plants and sometimes there's bottom leaves that come out especially in the fall we can get a better ground cover than if you compare it to something like cereal rye and this is something that is important because time is is short in the fall for growth and if we have a cover crop that can actually the the the, the tillers or, or um, uh, you know maybe more so in the spring depending when it when it gets planted and everything but it helps to get the ground covered, intercept raindrops before they hit the soil. All these things are are a subtle advantage to this species. The other thing that everyone mentions, it just goes without fail, and it was talked about a little bit before we got on live here, but uh, better quality of forage than other oats or even cereal rye and maybe triticale. And I'll just put that out as a general statement, but the forage quality of this oats is something that is grabbing people's attention. Now, you, you can either cut it, take it in, or graze it, what have you. It is absolutely one of the key things here why you should be interested in black oats. If not, just putting it in a mix is what I recommend, but black oats itself certainly has uh, something to be said there. And I would say from personal experience, I, uh, this is kind of, for those of you who would be into silage or into forage production, I have cut it in the context of, hey, I'm going to show you a picture at the end, but I've cut it multiple times, actually three times, uh, where we had cut it, we had planted it and harvested it early enough before boot stage that it grew back through three cuttings. and I used it as a nurse crop to establish orchard grass and a little bit of alfalfa, and I couldn't believe it. It just kept growing back, which I thought that was kind of a nice bonus. I did not expect that. And the forage quality was good. So um, that's just something to note. There's, some, there's, a, there's an advantage there. And the other thing you will find if you do much research that it is great for deer food plots. Deer seem to really like it, which tells me that uh, it kind of validates the forage uh, quality component. I've, I've learned uh, long ago, there, anyone serious into food plots, Uh, can tell you that deer have an uncanny ability to be able to source the best nutrition in the area. And when they start, uh, you know, liking a certain type of a variety or so forth, you better pay attention because some of that knowledge we can transfer into forage quality with our cattle. And it's just an interesting thing to keep in mind. So the next one here I have is grazing. Another advantage I have a question mark there, and it's not so much that I don't think it's going to work; it's just that I don't have a lot of experience with it. Uh, but uh, I hear of people who who are using it as part of a mix and grazing. And then finally, here in this slide, just gives another overwintering option. And I think pretty much anywhere, I would say anywhere you could grow wheat, you could grow this variety of black oats. I'm not quite. I'm not going to quite say anywhere you can grow cereal rye. You can grow it. I'm not sure if it's that strong yet. Although I have planted it as late as as November the 20th here in southeastern Pennsylvania, and it has overwintered. It has come up the next year. Uh, Stan wasn't that great, but it was there. And so I'm just mentioning that just as as something to know. So got a lot of advantages. What are the weaknesses? One of the biggest weaknesses it is susceptible to rust. And you'll see this in some of the literature, uh, but there's no doubt about it, particularly if you have wetter weather. Uh, and, and what I noticed is on some of my later cuttings, uh, when I started growing back, when we had a wet uh, time there that the rust had moved in so much that one of my cuttings, my disc mower was, had that brownish-reddish hue over from the rust that had gotten in it. And, but that was because of, you know, because of the weather and so forth, but I'm just saying you need to know this. Plus, if you plant this early, uh, I'm going to say early in the late summer, like for grazing or something, that, that's where I would be very careful if you're in an area that is has a higher rainfall because if you plant the end of July, or let's just say use that date, and it starts going and you have a wet period in August, it could start, rust could start moving in. I've seen this happen with this variety. If you're in a drier climate, I wouldn't worry about it. But if you're, you may even want to graze a little sooner just to get the top growth out of there a little bit to so, so you can kind of get rid of the leaf area a little bit. Uh, so just some suggestions there, but be wary that it has a weakness of, of rust if conditions are right. The other thing of lodging it is a fairly weak stem. And if you plant it by itself, you've got to be careful that your seeding rates aren't too high and there's not too much nitrogen. So uh, and, and I will say that if you're going to grow for seed, and we're going to talk about this, you really got to pay attention to that. Uh, and I also say here, right now, I listed this as a weakness. The seed price is high. I've I've heard anywhere um, from $12 a bushel, a 32-pound bushel, to $20 a bushel. Um, so I just heard of someone who was paying 50 cents a pound, which is, by 50 pounds, $25. it's $25. So the price is high, and there is a shortage. I will say that. Uh, at least in, in certain areas, there's certainly a shortage now. and But that's due to demand. A lot of it, and for whatever reason, the demand has not. The supply has not kept up to to the demand. So right now, it it is a little pricey. So I would suggest you get into it by by mixing in with something else. So as I said, the seed availability is is in short supply. I have put down here it's easy to produce for seed, but I will um, quickly tell you that you gotta cut back a little bit and what you may think on seeding rates uh if, if i was going to be uh and i do grow some for seed by the way i'm planting about 80 pounds per acre um so that's roughly uh two two and a little bit more a half bushel an acre uh, if you want to figure it that way and watch your nitrogen don't 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 uh don't get too much on there and the other thing is, at least here in the east, where we got a lot of rain, we have to use a growth regulator. Uh, I I have given up trying to grow it without because it just I, the first year I grew it, it was flat on the ground, and we were literally had the, the reel pulling it out of the ground. There's it got dirty, and oh my, it was it was a dusty mess. I'll just tell you. So, um, using a growth regulator, watching your seeding rates, going aside, error on the side of lower rates. And lower nitrogen, if you're going to produce it for seed, just trust me on that until you get used to it dialed into your um, to your situation. So I'm saying it might be a year or two, who knows, but a year or two to get adequate seed supply. It's not that hard to produce. This would be a great cash crop for some uh, enterprising farmer to grow if he has a, a market for it and so forth. So um, so I just see here that um, Monty just suggested that he uses it for grazing and um Maybe a little later than mine, I'd like to hear your experience uh, with that. So be uh, be ready for that. So I I have the management here. This covers more of uh, on a cover crop side. I am suggesting 60 to 75 pounds per acre straight, but I always like a mix. So you're going to have to adjust accordingly depending on your mix, uh, the amount of species in the mix. I just use that as a basis right there primarily so you can adjust for mix. And then if it is for forage, you can up that rate. So those are just numbers there to give you a basis to go on. Again, I'm really strongly encouraging it within a mix. Um, I would say it matures earlier than spring oats, but that's in the context of when it's planted. So you're obviously you plant it in the fall is when you want to do it. And by the way, it can be planted in the spring. Uh, if you're planting it in the spring, maturity would be around the same as most spring oats. But if you plant in the fall, uh, you're, you're just going to mature earlier than spring oats. Um, but I, I will also say in the context of a cover crop later than cereal rye or just after wheat. Uh, this past year, uh, we had the, the one dry spell we had in the summer was right over harvest here for wheat, which is kind of a nice convenient time to be dry, by the way. But uh, we when, as soon as we get done with wheat, we went right in and did the Cossack uh, winter oats. So that's just to give you a little rough idea there. That basically right after wheat harvest is what you could, would, could count on. So going back to now using it as a cover crop. Let's 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 shift our focus here a little bit. When we use it as a cover crop, it's easy to terminate with glyphosate uh, or roller crimping if the seeds are near near milk stage. Uh, I have seen some reports that people have said it's easier to crimp a more thorough kill than cereal rye. And I have not compared them, so I don't know, but I would tend to believe that. I will tell you this, that I'm fairly certain I could back it up, that it's easier to control with a crimper than it is cereal rye. So again, if you're looking at using a roller crimper in the context of uh, you know terminating a cover crop, this would be another reason to consider using uh, these black oats. But i got to tell you, because of the weakness of the standability that I've seen, I would like to have something mixed with it to kind of help it to stand better. So that's why I'm suggesting mixing it with triticale. Uh, Triticale is a more similar maturing time. Uh, cereal rye tends to mature earlier, so it's not quite in the same maturity. If that's a concern to you, of course, all these things are subject to what you're trying to accomplish. But I will say, too, here that it can be planted fairly late. I'm saying similar to wheat, but if you're using it as a cover crop, I have been including it now all the way to when I'm done cover cropping. And, and I believe this year we have some, the last week of November, we'll see if that shows up uh, this spring. But um, what I planted this fall was October the 25th, our our primary wheat period planting in our area is October the 15th. We want to we wanna be uh Pretty much finished up by then. So I planted some later this year. Uh, Time will tell. uh, Didn't grow very tall because of the cool wet fall. And I wanted to show you a picture of it, but it's under six inches of snow at the moment. So I didn't bother digging it up to show you because I didn't think it was going to show up right. So anyway, that being said, it can be planted late. Um, And I'm saying that in the context of some other small greens. And again, we're talking about this uh, Cossack variety here because that's the one you'd probably be working with okay i'm just going to show you some pictures wrapping up here and then we'll open up for questions this is how the seed looks hence this is where you get the name from it's kind of cool when you see seeds like this a little bit different they're a little longer and thinner than most uh spring oat varieties you may be used to Uh, as far as i can tell the weight per bushel or the test weight is similar to other oats i don't see it to be much different than that and it kind of has that husk on it, like a lot of spring oats do. Uh, just a, a picture you can see here of it growing, this is one of my fields. Uh, and and it's it's maybe not the best stand. You can see a little unevenness there, but um, but that that turned out okay. Another thing that happened two years ago, where I saw this uh, yellowing in it, and uh, based on pictures. I classified it as a barley yellow dwarf virus. that does can it get in some oat varieties? So I'm just going to mention this. Uh, it kind of grew out of it, and this is a virus that's transmitted by aphids usually. Uh, so just saying, this would have been I'm going to guess here um, uh, in May sometime when this picture was taken. One thing I I wanted to show you this picture for another reason is the leaves tend to be a little wider than other oat varieties, which is great. I have seen some pictures of this uh, Cossack oats to be actually leaves almost one inch wide. I haven't anything like that in my farm, but I will say the leaves tend to be a little bit wider. So that again plays into maybe the forage value and why it's good for that. So I just thought I'd mention that. Um, This is uh, one of my fields uh, here in, um, I should have put the date here I'm just going to guess it's early June, something like that. You can see the heads are just starting to turn. Uh, but that's that's roughly how it looks, kind of uh, like, like an oat variety does. I had mentioned, too, using it as a nurse crop, and I wanted to tell you a quick story. We planted a new field uh, on, um, uh, excuse me, it was uh, orchard grass and a little bit of alfalfa. And I used this black oats, planted in the spring now. Uh, so it can be planted in the spring. I use it as a nurse crop. This was rented ground and so uh, just thought I I need all the help I can get to get this going. So first cutting we bailed and and I sold this to a neighbor and roughly almost uh, the first cutting there, well over 50% of the cutting would have been this black oat variety along with the new seeding then of the orchard grass and alfalfa. So decent quality here but The neighbor I sold it to, he was like, don't you have any more of that? I had sold him 40 of these bales here, and he just said the cows loved it. The milk went up. So, uh, you know, I I think there's something to be said there. At the very least, we can say it wasn't a deterrent for quality. And uh, this is just another use for it, another reason why you should maybe consider it. So I'm wrapping up with my, uh, my, my reasons of why you should use it here. And, again, we're talking about the winter hardy variety. Um, it's just another winter species option. I think that's always good. Diversity is good. We have another oat species that we can plant later. We got that high biomass production. I might not have mentioned that a whole lot, but in the context of in a mix, I feel you can really take advantage of high biomass production. Great for forage, as we discussed throughout, great to be in a mix. And then it has that, another option we can plant later on in the fall. So I'm going to open up all the uh, uh, phone lines here and I'll just say that if any line gets a little too noisy, I may have to mute you. But, uh, uh, so anyone want to chime in here now? Monty, if you're available, talk to us about your grazing experience uh, and and how you used it and what you thought of it. If you'd be available to do that, Monty.
2: Just one quick note. Um, It does originate in France, like you said.
1: Well, Okay, I yeah, that's there's there's a few different stories, but that's what I had understood. So, but anyway, we'll leave it at that for right now. Uh, we'll wait to maybe Monica us later. I believe was it you, Candy, uh, that was mentioning early on about using it. I kind of forget. Was that was that? Didn't you have some examples of how you were using it?
0: Yeah, um, we we actually interseeded it within perennial pasture, cool season oh, pasture. Well, that's right. Tell, tell yeah. us about that. So first that. we had a uh field that was kind of poor quality. Um okay. back in twenty twenty uh eighteen. Yeah. Um we had or it was at, actually not twenty eighteen, it was two thousand sixteen that we did this. Um it was a little bit drier that year. Mm-hmm. Um we kinda had calved on that pasture before. It'd been pretty beat mm-hmm. down. So we took about oh probably six to eight tons of hay. And unrolled it out on this field in different areas, and really kind of packed that in. So we had kind of this bio mat first off. So there sure. was literally not a lot of grass uh, okay. coming up through that, um, and there was a lot of, you know, a lot of plant uh, or a lot of manure, and we had a lot mm-hmm. of impact with hoof action pushing that down oh, into yeah. the soil. So wow. then um, I had a crazy idea. Uh, this bio matting came from Del Fike, if you know him. Okay. Uh, mm-hmm talked to him back in 2013 or 14 about doing Mm -hmm. that so we thought we'd try it Mm -hmm. because it was such Mm -hmm. poor quality uh forage field so then we went and I said well let's drill this is about 14 acres I said Mm -hmm. let's just try drilling something in there so we put Mm -hmm. the mat the large component of the the carbon input there was the black oats Mm -hmm. and then we also had the uh, forage collards um, Three pounds of red clover just to get back some clover in this mm-hmm. stand that used to be old uh, orchard mm-hmm. grass. And there was mm-hmm. a lot of fescue in it that had mm-hmm. just moved in. And then we also put in uh, some phacelia, oh. Um, And then um, I think that was about it. So mm-hmm. just a lot of, you know, grazing type stuff. I and mean, the phacelia was specifically because we had a lot of bees, wild bees right around oh, the yeah. perimeter there. Okay. And so uh, it came up. And we were kind of surprised and also what came up with, I think probably just because we were in such a carbon starved situation that that hay really Mm -hmm. added quite a bit to it. So it Mm -hmm. came up with the grass Mm -hmm. and then we strip grazed it, um, probably got about 45, 50 days out of that 14 acres. And we had uh, weaned calves on it. Um, mm-hmm. So they were probably, you know, 400 pounders, 350 right. to 400 pounders, and they gained really, really well. They didn't want to eat those forage collards first off, so we kind of sacrificed that first strip because yep. they didn't know what they were. Yep. Um, so, so we mm-hmm. force fed them. The, you mm-hmm. know, that was the last thing right. they had. To eat. Then the next right. strip we moved to, those were the first mm-hmm. things they ate. Really? And the oats okay. were, yeah, generally they just picked them out um, okay. throughout the you know they ate everything pretty evenly and they did add probably two to two thousand pounds of uh, biomass that mix did besides Mm -hmm. the grass that was coming up in there because it came up really fast and uh so it was a a lot quicker than the than the forage that was previously Mm -hmm. growing there but it did stimulate that grass and that probably is one of the better pastures we have now in the last two years just because of yeah. that practice
1: we tried yeah. there okay okay Marty, are you still on i'm not sure if you're on yet Marty. yeah i am okay go I, ahead uh, Maddie. tell us about your experience we use it we use it as
2: part of our uh, summer i mean spring summer and fall stockpile mixes i i have experience of going to seed if it's planted too soon in the summer you know i'll go to seed before before frost and winter but um yeah, overall, very good. Plus, you get the benefits of the root exudates that are associated with oats, mm-hmm. which uh, you know the previous uh, person was talking about the rejuvenation of pastures. Yep. Uh, that's going to come from those oats exudates, yep. uh, which are just incredible for mm-hmm. for the soil. And, and uh, there's a lot of uh, antibiotic type of substances in, uh, in oat exudates or against fusarium or other yep. soil pathogens.
1: Well, and I'll tell you what, Monty, that's just another topic in itself, you know, about how the, the value that oats has for soil health and the root exudates, I mean, oats has historically been the go-to, been a go-to cover crop, uh, you know, 100 years ago, it was it was seen to have some benefits, so I think we need to continue to drill down on how to manage that, but I know that, um, you know, just that fact alone, oats are definitely deserve a seat at the table in any cover crop mix.
2: Yeah, so definitely just, a good thing to have in there for the diversity, especially, mm-hmm. you know, uh, in, in fall after cash crop planting. Uh, you can mm-hmm. I can see it out there today. You can definitely tell it by its broader leaf, even when it's yeah. in a really prostrate stature is great for yep. erosion control. So, yeah, right. it, it, it's a great thing. Good. And uh, I'm glad that uh, Keith had us go on to that in our mixes.
1: <laughs> yep, good. So uh, other questions, comments? I see Dan Curran is on. Dan Curran, I, I don't know if you can chime in here or not, but um, as I recall, you work with wildlife. I wouldn't mind hearing what you know if you can. I'll just come on anytime. But there's there other questions from anyone else? who is Who has experienced black oats or what question... What might you have for our group here today? Jim? Uh, Steve, yeah. I
2: got on late here, so maybe you mentioned it, but are there there several different uh, species of black oats? And Mm -hmm. then the second question would be, uh, could you or could a person, could a farmer frost seed? Some here this hmm. uh, spring and get any value out of it.
1: Yeah. Well, first of all, the I was uh and yeah, I did go through that. There's a soil saver variety that is not winter hardy. Uh and the oats itself do not have the black color, but they're kind of they're so called black oats. And the Cossack, or is the way we're just calling it now is the one I've been working with uh, that has the black seeds. That is more a winter hardy variety. So that's the one we zoned in today because that variety is by far the most popular winter hardy black oser is. So that's the answer to your first question. Concerning frost seeding, uh, I have have planted these in the spring and I, I, I have a neighbor who wants me to plant some for him this spring where he couldn't get cover crops planted. So I'm gonna plant them in the spring. I've done it in the spring. They seem to do well. Uh, as far as frost seeding I think that would be really a lot of that's related to how much uh, soil contact will the seeds themselves have. If you have 250 bushel corn residue from last year and you're just you're just spinning them out on top of that I would not expect a tremendous growth uh, just broadcasting in that type of environment. Soybeans on the other hand maybe a little less residue now uh, maybe that'd be better, but it would all be a factor on what the amount of soil, um, you know, availability is there so to, to to yeah. So that would that would be the determining factor of the success. Okay. Yeah, Lloyd, did you have a question or comment? I know you planted them last fall. Yeah, you mentioned that if you want uh wanted to take it to harvest, that you should put it, some kind of inhibitor on the uh plants. Yeah, so- a growth regulator yeah, uh, yeah. What, what, uh, what was the name of that you know that's slipping my mind now does someone know what a typical small grain growth regulator is it's really popular does anybody else know what that is i think it starts with a p i'll get back to that if no one knows it here right now
2: brad okay. i think it's called palisade
1: palisade that's it it's palisade Okay. Now, that is it, and you apply that when it's about eight inches tall. When the, when the, this, you know, early on when it's about eight inches tall, it'll shorten up the, the nodes. Um, so it makes it, it, it keeps it standing better. Uh, so palisade is what you want to apply. If there's a way to get around that, someone let me know. I'll just say that um, I. Uh, I, it just, it's here in my area, it just goes down. If, if you don't put that on, uh, and it's just all but impossible to harvest. So Palisade is the answer to your question there, Lloyd. So that's fairly common to get. Um, other comments, questions? Anybody? If you're waiting there. I'll just move on. Next week we have Uh, A guest interview, I'm going to be interviewing Ryan Stockwell. He is from uh, the National Wildlife Federation, and you're probably going to say, what in the world does someone from a group like that have to do with crop insurance? Well, trust me, he's been our farmer ally for the last, I'm going to say, half dozen years or so, where I would have to say he has actually been one of the people who has made a difference for crop insurance to be more friendly to cover crops. So I'm going to be interviewing him next week. I think it's next Tuesday. So if you're interested in crop insurance stuff, uh, this is this is the one you don't want to miss. And I'll just say, too, look at your email. i got a nice lineup of speakers coming up here that I want to interview uh, to try to broaden the knowledge base a little bit over the next couple weeks. So just to have... Uh, continue on for today is there any other cover crop question you have to ask is there any other black oats question or comment feel free as long as there's comments we'll keep going if not we'll uh, we'll wrap up but uh, other questions you may have or experience I wouldn't mind knowing if anybody else has used uh, black oats or any other questions anybody has any other questions for today Tom I can Not right uh, now I can hear you tom okay go ahead tom go ahead i'm good i don't have any questions right now oh okay i see your mic came on okay great anybody else have any questions for now avery
2: yeah uh this is more related to sorghum sudan grass i was wondering if anybody on the okay. call to have any experience grazing that in the winter time like after it's frozen
1: sorghum Anybody have experienced grazing sorghum sedan grass during the winter after it's frozen? I don't know if Monty, if you're still on, I think you did, but anyone else? Candy?
0: Yeah, we do that a lot here in Kansas. I mean, that's pretty much a staple of the of the mixes that are planted after wheat. And then the, um, after uh, November, that when they get a freeze, they'll start strip grazing those or, or rotationally grazing or, you know, tight grazing those.
2: Okay, and you're finding the quality stays high with it?
0: Oh, yeah. As long as you don't uh, graze it within, you know, that that uh, two weeks after you get a freeze because of the uh, yeah. that prussic acid issue, you're fine. And the quality is really, really good. And that's one of the reasons why they have that as a pretty good dominant portion of the mix. Um, oh, the, a lot of them are nice. using a break, break, break. I can never say that word break yet. Break a tick. <laughs> <laughs> Can you say it, uh, Steve? Because I, I can't. can't. Uh, no. Okay. No, that, I can't either. It's the, the BMR <laughs> right. types. The yeah. breaking yeah. it, It's a dwarf type mm-hmm. in the in the BMR. Um, they have a little bit better palatability and quality than than just regular old Sudex or or those types of things.
2: Mm-hmm. Right on. Thanks. So, you, how many yeah. pounds would they put in a mix if you don't mind me going for detail?
0: Oh, um. Ballpark. Eight. I think around eight. Let me look here. I got a, I got a, a list to mix it. Or just email me. See my name on the on the list there. Candy.Thomas at USDA.gov. I can send you some of the stuff that some of the guys here are putting on for uh, rates for mixes and some of the mixes that they're using like after wheat. Candy.Thomas
1: do Thomas at yeah, USDA.gov. That's pretty easy. <laughs> yeah. <What can laughs> okay. The other you thing know. I'll say, Avery, that um, and, and Candy alluded to it, it will buy from a reputable source that knows what you're doing for grazing because they have really made advancements in the last mm-hmm. 10 years or more of quality specifically for grazing. So just make sure wherever you're getting it from is, is, uh, is good. So, right. uh, one other question here that, uh, was raised on the chat that I'm just going to circle back to about black oats is uh about the expense of it i had mentioned it early on but right now a lot of it is in the 49 cents i've heard 50 cents a pound range and i gotta tell you that's high that price is high but there's a reason for it and it's because of the demand and i think that price will be will be coming down as, as supply meets the demand so i would encourage you to, it's worth trying a little bit of it uh in and, and just testing it to see what you like. But thanks for putting that up there. Uh, there's you who uh, put that in the chat. So other uh, comments or questions about any cover crop question you might have? Anything else today? I'm not gonna linger long, but uh, Don Matthews, you have a question? I saw your microphone come on. Anybody else? Well, okay. Thank you for the conversation today. This is an interesting topic. Look forward to seeing you next week. Talk about crop insurance. As always, stay curious, keep learning. Thanks.